Welcome to the Future Work Playbook. This podcast series features founders, investors, and legal talent that will help you embrace technology and transform your organization for a better future. This series is hosted by Natalie Pierce, the chair of Gunderson Detmer's Labor and Employment Law Practice. Natalie and her guests are committed to helping you develop new playbooks to elevate your game. Hey, Natalie here, and I'm so excited to be here with Rachel Nemeth, a mission-driven founder and CEO with a wonderful story to share. This week, we focus on an old way of communication being leveraged as a completely new way of training our frontline workers to drive education, training, and growth at work. This future work Playbook season is dedicated to the theme of return to the workplace. And so this discussion with Rachel comes to us at a perfect time. Rachel's company, Opus Training, helps us reimagine how we approach the workplace to rethink how we deliver training, provide critical skills, and educate deskless workers while continuing to meet the needs of a growing digital society. The level of transparency in how learners learn and even how our children were forced to learn in a new medium without in-person instruction has helped open our minds to how we think about education and training. We've had apps like Duolingo, YouTube, and newer offerings on platforms like LinkedIn Learning for video education, and now Opus introduces a wholly new model for training and education. Rachel, welcome, and thanks for joining us. It really is wonderful to speak with you again. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. So for those who may not know your story intimately, did you ever think you would sit here now as a CEO of an innovative startup like Opus Training? Why don't you tell us your path, Rachel? So I I couldn't tell you that I grew up thinking that I would be the CEO and founder of Opus, but I certainly came from an entrepreneurial family. My grandpa owned a chain of barbecue restaurants in Kansas City. My mom always had side hustles while she was working in restaurants, <laughs> so did my dad. So I always was around that kind of spirit. But really, the, the origins of Opus and the work that we do now come from a really startling statistic that keeps me up at night and also wakes me up in the morning, which is that 80% of the global workforce doesn't sit at a desk all day. Mm-hmm. And yet 99% of VC dollars are going to the 20% who do. And I think the pandemic really opened our eyes to that, that problem of access. I'm intimately aware of this problem because I spent my whole life in frontline jobs and witnessed it from the front seat in many ways. But I am also coming from an incredibly privileged background. I grew up living a comfortable life. And the truth about frontline jobs, or in in what we call it, Opus, deskless jobs, is that uh, there is a multitude of lives that people are living. And uh, that could be, you know, second jobs, kids, commutes, language barriers. And so that doubles, triples this access issue into something that is nearly impossible uh, to solve for. Um, so that's why at Opus, we have built something that can meet everyone where they are at work by using the thing they already know how to do, which is text. Wow. Um, 
so my whole background's in hospitality. I worked for, before Opus, I worked for Danny Meyer at Union Square Hospitality Group. Before that, um, I helped open many restaurants. So my whole life has been about opening things. <laughs> uh, and Opus, Opus was the most recent opening, I suppose you could say. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still kind of blown away by that statistic that you mm-hmm. gave us, Rachel. And it, it, you know, hearing about the background, including your family's background and, and growing up in that environment. Environment. You know, I love how you got the inspiration and, and how that led you to start thinking about this company that you founded. So can you tell us a bit more about what Opus Training does and, mm-hmm. you know, and also share with us how you came up with the name? The name Opus is Latin for a life's work. It was a name which we had initially thought would take weeks, if not months to find, we it was really important for us to have a name that was really spoke to our mission, which I'll speak about in a minute. But Opus is really indicative of the, the world that we want to create, which is a world in which everyone has a good job. And good jobs are subjective. And I think that's a really important component of how we think about the technology that we built a good job could mean that you just go to your seven to three job and you clock in and you clock out. And it means that you can go and pick up your kids from school. A good job can mean that you are growing into something that is more economically viable for you and your kids. It could mean that uh, a good job could mean that you leave your job, go to the next job. So the, the origin of Opus and the name is about really helping people find ways to build more work value throughout their lives in whatever way they'd like to. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So Rachel, do you want to tell us, you know, our theme is return to the workplace. And as I, as I mentioned from the beginning, it really does seem like the timing couldn't be better with Mm -hmm. Opus and, and how you're addressing a new approach to training up leveling skills and retraining skills uh, for frontline workers. What changes have you seen with employers in offering text message training as a solution? Right off the bat, what we see in workplaces, and and we work with businesses that are employing at least 80% of a workforce that doesn't sit at a desk. So if you can imagine that the biggest initial problem that all these businesses need to solve is adoption, which is the fancy word in product world for enrollment. (laughs) How do you get your people into the system training quickly? For every one email user in the United States, there are two and a half cell phone users. So think about that, that all of these antiquated systems have an email-based login or a username and password, which no one remembers. But if you have someone's phone number, you can get them training quickly. Phone numbers are specific to one person. They are personal. It's exactly the same as an email, except all of a sudden, 100% of your workforce can be using Opus in days, not years. So that is an incredibly, you know, we'll talk about training throughout this podcast, but the the most important early piece to recognize is that we can help employers achieve consistent training. And that begins with everyone using the same product. Well, it really is obviously critical that we get as many, as many people access to the kinds of training that you're offering. And so once again, incredible statistics and knowing that 80 
percent of your clients have deskless workers really just emphasizes how wonderful it is that you've come up with this mechanism of delivering that kind of training. Rachel, I want to ask you something that that I've been asking other founders. It goes without saying that the start of this decade has been hard for, for many, no question, especially frontline workers, so many of whom are your customer base. And I remember speaking with you last year. <laughs> and as it was a time where day after day, you were helping your customers really face these challenges associated with the pandemic. And for other founders and future founders who are listening, can you tell us any personal challenges that you faced and what you've done to overcome them? Sure. Where to begin? <laughs> uh, so I think, and this is something that I went through a lot over the past year, actually, was it is very challenging as a first-time founder, which I am, to overcome imposter syndrome. It's debilitating. It creeps up on you when you least expect it. And I suspect that even as we grow from, you know, our current stage into series A, B, C, and, you know, help everyone, it's going to keep coming back. One of the things that has helped me overcome it is to have a really good support system of advisors who can actually spot it. Because the last time that this happened to me, it was actually a few months ago, I didn't recognize it. (laughs) I was feeling, I had like a rough week and my confidence was low. And one of my advisors was really great. And he said, you know, I don't, I don't think anything's wrong in the company right now. I think that you are suffering from some imposter syndrome right now. And I actually made it a point to kind of call it out moving forward to say, if you're recognizing this, like I'd appreciate that feedback because it is something you need to deal with. And some of the ways that you can handle imposter syndrome are very small and have to do with body language and how you you treat your physical wellness. But sometimes it's about mental wellness and making sure that you're talking to the right people to get that support system. Being a CEO and a founder is very lonely and it requires a great amount of uh, help from people from all walks of life. Like my co-founder, Jeff is amazing and is an amazing support system. And I hope I'm the same way for him, (laughs) Um, but also our investors and even our customers have really been so amazing over the last year as we've been able to reach out and support them with text message first, text message based training. Um, They've been able to support us as a growing company. So I'm really grateful for the network we've built. and, And that's something that we continue to invest in. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Rachel. I think that that hits so many of us. And I I think having those trusted advisors and others who can really turn you and say, no, you're actually doing great things and and, and achieving great milestones. But yeah, sometimes it takes that kind of affirmation and a reminder. So thanks for sharing that. And you know, Rachel, Opus does have a really unique but low barrier of entry to to training staff you know as you said having a phone number is is enough to enable a company to deliver that training to a company and you you have so many employers over over 100 now who are using the platform what was challenging about first mover adoption to your training programs can you 
provide any kind of guerrilla secrets or stories to onboard your first clients? There are so many, Natalie. It's endless. But there's two things to share. One is a really quick story and one's a, a longer story. The first is that a company that we really take inspiration from at Opus is Superhuman. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I love them so much is because their product is wonderful, but they've also taken a, a human first approach to onboarding and they figured out how to scale it. And that's something that we really think about. Our, our, our onboarding is totally automated, but we've tried to really mirror that experience and make it feel as human as possible. No yeah. one likes to just get a login and go to a dashboard and start. They want to be taken care of. And maybe I'm biased because I worked in the hospitality industry for 13 years. <laughs> um, so we're really focused on concierge service, but especially in a day and age where there's incredibly high rates of turnover, managers are stressed to all ends right now. It's really important to take care of your customers. And you can do that with a a really brilliant onboarding experience that feels personal, even if it takes a little bit of extra effort for your team. So we always make sure that the emails that we send are really crisp, something that on your phone take no longer than two scrolls. Like it's very scientific for us to make sure that we're being really concise with the information we share, that customers are clear about how they can reach out to us. We hop on a quick call to make sure that they've got everything they need and they know that there's a human that can help them if they need to. So that's the first quick story. The longer story, (laughs) which I'll try to keep quick also, is um, I remember when we produced, we we made our, uh, the alpha version of Opus, which was well over a year ago. And I was testing it with a very big potential customer. We were onboarding them and pretty much everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. (laughs) Uh, It was like the Murphy's Law of product. Yeah. Like people weren't getting into the system. We encountered all these issues with text messages that we didn't, you know, it was an alpha. We, we, we were doing this very openly, honestly with these customers saying like, we don't know what's going to (laughs) happen. It ended up being basically me and three other people marionetting people into the system and pretending to be computers to like walk people through (laughs) and they never knew it, but it was me and a team of like really kind people who I was like, do you know how to use a computer? Great. (laughs) Let's come over here and I'm going to show you how to send these text messages manually to this customer. My point is, is that like, and I have no doubt that there's going to be another moment that where something like that happens. You, you, I mean, not now at this scale that we're at, but something where you really, the things, things can go wrong um, and you just have to buck up and say, all right, the customer comes first and we're going to solve this any way we can. You know, not, not all of our listeners are going to get this reference, but I don't know why that just made me think of the Seinfeld episode where he's like, why don't you just tell me the movie you want to watch when he's pretending to be the automated movie referral <laughs> service or movie booking service. I don't, I don't remember. That's, yeah, that's, that's a great story. It. It's, it's the best way to get to know your customers is by doing things manually at first. So that was actually a blessing in disguise for us. We were able to, to learn a lot that day and it gave us a lot of insights on what the best onboarding process was. Perfect. Perfect. Rachel, who are your greatest ambassadors right now? Industries or champions? Any any big wins lately to highlight those champions? Oh, I think we, our whole team has done a really amazing job of building an incredible community of people managers and training directors and operations directors who, some of whom 
aren't even Opus customers, but who will join our fireside chats and will engage in conversation about this very issue that we're trying to solve. Um, That's great. Our customers right now are largely, uh, I mentioned that they're employers who hire a majority frontline workforce, but they're also typically within the food supply chain, which is the second largest employer in the U.S. Yeah. And the problem with that size of that market is that a lot of people aren't connected. And so they need a place to talk about access issues or or tech or things that they want to change and innovate. And I think Opus is slowly becoming a platform that can not only, of course, do the thing we do best, which is train people on the front line, but also be a resource for businesses to help support them in, in operationalizing their training. Sure. Oh, that's great. So beyond text message and WhatsApp training, what other modes of training are being explored? Uh, and how how are you how have you been working alongside human resource leaders and small business owners to stay ahead of the curve? So one of the things that I find quite frustrating with some of the incumbents today are that you talk to any people leader in a business. And when I say people leader, that could be COO, it could be CHRO. Technically, everyone's a people leader, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's that they have an existing learning management system and they have had to hire an instructional designer to manage it, which means that they've just doubled the cost of the technology that should be doing the work for them. And I don't think it has to be that way. I think it can be that simple. And we've really focused at Opus on making sure that we're not building a system that requires that you hire someone. So you can build your own uh, text message course in Opus in under three minutes. It can be that simple. Wow. Really amazing templates that customers can use. They can get full or partial templates. It's a really fluid, easy system that can get your whole workforce up and running on your company content in under 24 hours. That's incredible, Rachel. And that kind of segues us nicely into my next question, which is, yeah, as you are looking to the future, let's call it, you know, next five years or so, where do you see the industry going? Where do you see Opus Training headed? Mm. I think that the education industry is headed only up right now. There's so much cool innovation happening in the space. You mentioned it earlier, Natalie, the way that the the past year has really brought to light all of the the cracks in the system and what, what we've really been overlooking and what employers have kind of been having to deal with <laughs> right. since like 1991, <laughs> they've been dealing with the old systems and right. it's like, I can't do this anymore. I need to be mobile first. I need to make sure that we're deploying micro training. So I'm not exhausting my team. Everyone has short attention span. So yep. in a way that's engaging, I need to make sure that this is inclusive, not only by teaching, you know, sensitivity training or anti-harassment, but the tech itself must be inclusive. I need to provide it in multiple languages. So I think there's a lot of opportunity right now in the education industry for an immense amount of growth and innovation. And in a world where everyone's rusty, cross-training is more important than ever. Anticipating another global event is something that's on every employer's minds and being able to be agile very quickly is critical creating technology that can support in the new era of work is 
paramount in the next couple of years. So I'm really excited about what's next. What we're thinking about at Opus, we're still very focused on training, but we're really focused on the concept of situation-based learning. You know, everything up until now, Natalie, you know this really well. Yeah. Uh, what has happened in the training world up until now has been a compliance-based approach. Basically, like your, your LMS is actually a compliance management system. And what that does is it puts corporate at the center of all learning. We are building a platform that's centered on situation-based learning, where the learner is at the center. And that can help you achieve the highest level of inclusivity. It can be yep. adaptable to each employee's attention and needs while simultaneously honoring the priorities of the business. So yeah. there's a lot more to share there, but the whole, the vision there is to create something that can help people build work value throughout their lives. And it has to start with the the people you're training, not just the box that you're checking. I really could not agree with you more, Rachel. And what we know is that if you find a means of delivering the education, the training, the reskilling efforts in a way that engages the learner and is responsive to the learner's needs, the comprehension and retention are just going to skyrocket uh, in, in terms of these other more conventional means. And so, yeah, now is the time to absolutely reimagine how we're doing things like reskilling, which is so mm -hmm. critical as we're seeing every industry majorly disrupted and, and not leaving behind workers who just simply don't have that same access. So I completely agree with, with everything you've said. And I really appreciate your sincerity and your, your candor. And I, I think that it'll be good for other founders to really listen to some of the lessons that, that you've learned. I also, what I like to do on this podcast is to really share practical tips with other founders and, and leaders. And I'm wondering what are some lessons or tips that you want to share? Maybe things that you wish you'd learned earlier in your journey. So many, but I'm, I'm sitting here smiling because there's a few that come to mind. The first is if you have not picked it up already, please do yourself a favor and pick up the book, Founding Sales. I read it mm. and it really changed the way that I think about founder-led sales early on. And I should have read it way earlier than I did. <laughs> I wish I'm, I had it. <laughs> Adding it to my to my bookshelf. That'll be that's great. Give us the name one more time for those who uh, might founding founding sales. Founding uh, sales, great. Yeah, and and so it's by the the founder of Atrium, and uh, it's a really amazing book. Speaking of books, as a founder, something that's really been provided a lot of solace for me, but it's also been a, an unexpected source of resilience has been. I read differently than I did before. So I, I'm, I've always been a reader. I was, I had a big mouth as a kid. And so like when I get <laughs> sent to my room for being sassy, um, it was actually never a punishment for me. I would always just end up reading and you might <laughs> figure that out pretty early. Oh um, so I always would kind of tuck away and read for hours. Now I can't do that as a founder, but I've really found that throughout the day, if I spend, if I slip away for five, 10 minutes and read, 
pretty much anything that has nothing to do with founding a company, I can really get back to center quite quickly. Your whole world is immersed in your business and it's important to step outside of it. Even if you can't, you know, take a vacation, reading for a few minutes here and there throughout the day has always helped me reset. Yeah. And I think the last tip I would provide to every founder in the world is a fun fact about Opus, about half of our cap table was from investors who I cold emailed. Cold emailing works. (laughs) Get good at it. Um, Start cold emailing people, accept rejection gracefully and keep cold emailing people. It's so important to learning how to craft a a thoughtful note to people, whether it's an investor or a customer, Mm -hmm. um, start now and you'll get better at it. I swear, but I still, I still cold email at least one founder a week, not to ask for money now. Now it's (laughs) for advice, but highly recommend starting that as early as you can. Well, and you, you just never know unless you try, right? So exactly. That's <laughs> great advice. Great advice. Okay. So before we go, we're going to lighten it up a little bit. And if you could share with our listeners a story, joke, favorite movie, a drink of choice, you name it. And I'll, I'll start by saying that I once jumped out of a plane at 15,000 feet with my mentor because a potential client asked us to. Um, it was terrifying, but I'm happy to report that we ended up with the work. Uh, so anything you're willing to share? <laughs> I have jumped out of a plane also, but not for that reason. So <laughs> You probably did it for fun, right? I did it for fun, actually. Not did it, did it for oh work. my no, God, it's no. terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, oh gosh, fun facts, things like that. So I'll tell you the one thing that I'm like shamelessly a fan of is I really like terrible movies, but I have not watched all of them yet. And my, my favorite, not good, good movie is Twister uh, with Helen Hunt and Bill. Oh gosh. Of all time favorite movie. I can watch that movie over and over again. And it is a genuine love for a really terrible movie. (laughs) I'm actually right there with you. Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm, I'm replaying some of the scenes in in my head. Yeah, it's Twister. so good. It's so yes. quotable. It's just great. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Okay, well, thank you. As we return to the workplace, Opus Training shows us how leveraging new technology will help the heroes who work at the front line participate in a new reality where lifelong learning is essential to grow and stay ahead. Thanks so much for talking with us today, Rachel. It's a real pleasure for me and for our listeners. Thank you so, so much. It was great to be here. We wish you and Opus Training continued success. And thanks everyone for joining us today. Bye-bye. You've just listened to the Future Work Playbook. This podcast series is brought to you by Gunderson Detmer, the world's number one law firm representing venture capital funds and high growth companies. Join Natalie Pierce on our next episode as she and her guests help prepare your organization for the future. Please subscribe to the Future Work Playbook.